Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Yo, Elizabeth Dutton. Zarin Burnett. You got a second? I got a question for you. Of course, I've been waiting to see you. Yeah. Okay, thank God. Do you know what's ridiculous? Yes. I knew you would know. I do. Okay. It's a mashup. Oh, Christ. <laughs> it's okay. I take it back. Let me I, <laughs> <laughs> let me read you some of the descriptions, and then you can fill in the blanks for me. Ooh, yay. A tribute to the <laughs> mastery of crisp, spiced, curled potato uh-huh. with hints of cayenne and paprika. This innovative blank preserves the distinctive and authentic tasting notes of the traditional blank. Hmm. Potato, crispy... Holds the flavor of blank. And Let the, me give you another one. Okay. Honoring the rich tradition of salted potato shapes, this premium blank features a blend of fine kosher salt and sugar, a subtle homage to the simple perfection of blank. Um, is it a pair of shoes? No, okay. it's. <laughs> let me just let me just break it to you. Wait, it's is not it, pretty. Is it a liquor? Yes. It, oh, okay, so it's a liquor. I'm close. It's, it's something a, you drink. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's potato flavored. Is it, is it a vodka? It's a vodka. Okay, so we're on the right track now. Vodka, right. potato flavor, or uh, honoring potato. Yeah, so there's two. Stolichnaya. No, there's two kinds. Uh-huh. One um, is all about the, you know, spicy curled potato with cayenne and paprika. Uh-huh. And the other one is the salted potato shapes, salt, sugar. Uh-huh. So I'm telling you today about Arby's vodka. What? <laughs> What? <laughs> One is Arby's, Ow, my Arby's head. curly fry vodka, and then they also have a crinkle fry flavored vodka. Oh, God. They don't have like a meat sauce flavored vodka? No, but like they, they have like Bloody Mary recipes that Aren't you can, they, uh, and then you shove the fries up in the top. Just like as like a little dressing on the top, curly hair. What is going on in the boardrooms of these businesses that know. they're like, look, we got we got a moment, Steve, happens. tell them your new this idea. This is what happens. They gather around, they're like, check this out. Uh-huh. Ridiculous crime is recording again. <laughs> and Elizabeth needs a mashup. Let's get on this, guys. And they like take their jackets off and loosen the ties. And uh-huh. the, the gals in the room who are really the bosses, mm-hmm. you know, they just like crack their knuckles. They get up to the whiteboard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Start scribbling them out, and they're like, okay, she's going to love this This one. is gold. Yeah, so that's This makes is. absolutely no sense. No one French, will buy this. French, ah, French, fry vo- French fry vodka. 80 proof. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Perfect for mixed drinks. It's all drinks. sold out. If you go to arbysvodka.com, uh-huh. the bottles are like, they're supposed to be like 60 bucks. So when they say sold out, do they make like 500 and then like that's how Do it's... they make any at all? Oh, good question, Elizabeth. I like your suspicions. I am very suspicious. Yes, yeah, skepticism. Very cynical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if you got a second. I, I do. I, I do. have one for you. Yes. Okay. This this is right up your alley. Oh. Right? J- right up my shooter alley. <laughs> you at the shooter alley. J. Edgar Hoover uh-huh. and the FBI and the U.S. Air Force once went to war against one woman. 
Oh. Yes. This one woman, she was an aviation pioneer, but she'd run afoul of the decency police because this one woman dared, dared Elizabeth to let men and women have fun at a place called the Happy Bottom Riding Club. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. (laughs) Today, I got a special one for you. I told you this. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to like this lady. She's one of my favorite American legends. Oh, okay. Her name, Poncho Barnes. Poncho Barnes. You ever heard of Poncho Barnes? No, that's a great name, though. Nice. Okay, to give you a sense of her, I'm just going to lay out her life philosophy. She Mm -hmm. used to say, I thought you'd dig this. When you have a chance, choose happy. Oh, yeah. That's good. I like that. So, you ready to hear the ballad of Poncho Barnes? Always. She was born Florence Leontine Lowe. She came into this world on July 22nd, 1901, basically, you know, almost with the new century. Mm -hmm. She came by her adventurous spirit naturally. Her grandfather was Thaddeus S.C. Lowe. And in case you don't know, he was an inventor who specialized in balloons. And he was Mm. an aviation pioneer. And you're wondering, how was she an aviation pioneer? Great question, Elizabeth. He was the founder of the Army of the Potomac's Balloon Corps, which means he fought for the Union Army under Lincoln. Which also means his balloon warfare was the start of American military aviation. Wow. He's the father of the U.S. Air Timely Force. Timely this. Right? Yes. Yeah. So her grandfather, Thaddeus Lowe, also inspired this young tomboy to dream of her own life among the clouds. So when she's 10 years old, he takes her to her first air show. She loves it. Now, you got to keep in mind, the Wright brothers had just flown for the first time when she was three years old. Now, seven years later... They are aviation pioneers, right? So she sees this and she's like, I got to be in the sky, right? But first, she's a young tomboy. She's like, I should run away from home. So she runs away from home. (laughs) Now, she grew up in Southern California in a town called San Marino. So for Poncho Barnes, running away meant grabbing a horse and riding to Tijuana. That sounds great. Right? Yeah. She was like, you know, in Southern California back when it was mostly ranches. Sure. So it's, she, and it's all orchards. Or, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Orange, orange orchards. Mm-hmm. So she just, you know, takes off for Tijuana and has a good old time. Her family finally catches up her and they force her back to America. They enroll her in a religious school. How old was she when she? About 12, 13. Nice. So one of many religious schools she goes to. Uh-huh. Finally, she graduates and she's like, oh, I want to become a veterinarian. And her mother's like, no, no, no. That's not a right profession for a young lady and she's like but i really love animals and she's like no 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 we're gonna put you in art school that's a good thing for a lady who's creative and fiery like you Aww. and her grandma's like no 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 art school no 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 we're gonna get her married like all good wayward girls should be oh, so they arrange a marriage at this point she's 19 years old uh-huh. the marriage is to this reverend she it doesn't last long doesn't like, sound like a good match they were intimate just once uh-huh. on their wedding night that's it. And uh, eventually, a couple years later, her mother passes away. And this like, kind of sets something loose in Poncho. She's yeah. like, oh, I, I got to get free. You know, it, it reawakens in her that sense of longing for adventure. She runs off from her husband, roams America, starts having affairs. She's also a footloose and fancy-free young heiress, a tomboy with money to spend. Because when her mother died, she left her... About $8 million in 2023 dollars. Whoa. Yeah, so she uses her inheritance to party and so enjoy life. this is life. like the flapper era. This is 1924. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's 23 years old. Oh, sorry, sorry when, she, when this first happens, she gets married, she's 19. When the mother passes, she's 23, so this is 1924. Yeah, right? So, yeah, yeah flapper era, total like, you know, the it girl Clara Bow mm-hmm. is the thing. And she, by the way, is a pilot. So, you know, this is in the air, if you right. will. So... She decides, you know what, I'm going to go out and get me some adventure now that I got some money. I don't need to work. So she goes to South America. She takes a cruise down South America, has a ball, just enjoys herself all the heck. She gets back to America and she's like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going back to South America. But this time she's like, I'm going to do things a little bit different. I want to have more adventure than I could last time. I'm ditching the dresses. I'm going to go and be, you know, dressed as a man. So this is how she earns her nickname, Poncho. She goes back to South America, and she rides on a banana boat. She gets okay. She uh, dresses a man. Banana boat. Exactly. (laughs) She books passage on a banana boat, and uh, while she's on the banana boat, she discovers that the crew has this little secret that they did not tell her before she set sail. Uh Turns out they are smuggling guns to the Mexican revolutionaries. Oh, wow. So she gets caught up in the Mexican Revolution. This is the Cristero Revolution when you had warriors for Christ fighting against the, the, the 
Constitution, 1917. It must have been much safer for her to travel in men's clothing. Completely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, You're right on with that. I know I am. (laughs) When she gets caught in her men's clothes with all the other revolutionaries, Mexican officials, they take the boat, the guns are seized, the revolutionaries are in prison, which includes Poncho Barnes. So she gets locked up as a revolutionary for about a month and a half. Uh While she's inside, she bonds with this other American who was on the boat as well. His name was Roger Shute. And Roger Shute is the helmsman on the banana boat. Mm. Now, like ah, Poncho, shoot. he's a well-off American, you know, rich kid. And he's out there for, quote, the thrill of it. Interesting. Yeah, he's a Stanford graduate. He's a marine biologist, studies fisheries. So he's like a smart cat, you know, yeah. well-to-do. Footloose, fancy-free, just like Poncho. So the two of them decide... You know, we need to escape this Mexican prison. So <laughs> they manage to steal a horse and a burro, and they take off on burro back and horseback. Oh, wow. And they head for the American border. But you know what? Now that we're free and in Mexico, maybe we should kick around for a little bit. Hey, why not? So they kick around Mexico. I figure you'd enjoy this. Yeah. They're eating good food, enjoying all the sights, learning some Spanish. They decide, you know what? We should become lovers. So why not? they become lovers. They spend seven months bouncing around Mexico. At one point, they're like, we should probably get back to America. So they're in Mexico City. And they decide, we'll uh, walk down to Veracruz. So they walk down to Veracruz, which is on the Gulf Coast, for yeah. those who don't know. It's about a 250-mile overland walk, but they want to book passage. So they're, you know, traversing the Mexican countryside. And <laughs> at this point, she's still known as Florence Leontine. Uh-huh. So Flo is, like, you know, making a joke about her lover, Roger. And she's like, oh, you're like that uh, windmill jousting hero, Don Quixote. Uh-huh. And he laughs, and he's well-educated. So he's like, oh, then that makes you Poncho. She, it's a malapropism. She corrects him. She's like, Don Quixote's sidekick was Sancho Panza. Yeah. And he's like, oh, right, right. He's like, well, no matter. The nickname sticks. They start calling her Poncho. So she becomes <laughs> Poncho for the rest of her life. That's a great nickname. Right? It's a total yeah. great nickname. I mean, it's it's not as good as Dizzy, but it's good. Uh-huh. You see me looking away <laughs> for the camera? <laughs> so Florence Leontine Lowe is now Poncho Barnes, right? Poncho Barnes. So Poncho and Roger, they head back to America and leave Mexico behind. They try to go up to the Mississippi, like where the waters are coming out of New Orleans. They make it to New Orleans. They uh, get off the boat. And then they now have to cross America because they're both from California. So they hitchhike. They train hop. When there's no vehicle available, they walk. They end up taking another Huge trek, 1,700 miles from New Orleans to California. So the, but these are like trust fund kids yes, in essence. totally. And they're going across the Southwest, which is no easy place. No. If you miss that train, you're stuck in the Arizona desert. Right. Yeah, so they're like managing, right? Exactly. So on this, they get back to California, and now the lovers part ways. They're both, mm-hmm. you know, young and impetuous. Boom. Poncho settles into her life as a rich girl in San Marino. She's got this cousin who's got this new hobby. She's taking flying lessons. So Poncho's like, oh, I'll I'll ride down with you. She sees the plane. She sees the instructor. She's like, I got to fly too. So she hops in there. Instant pilot. She just takes to it immediately. So she's, you know, to... She has like this is biplane era, right? So right. You, this is like you know, uh, like when you're imagining like the leather sided open cockpit, mm-hmm. double wings. So this is how she's flying now. These planes, at least the one that she learned on, it had just one instrument. Like didn't have an instrument panel, like an on-off switch. Yeah, basically, there was an oil gauge to let her know how much oil the engine had. That was that's it. it. That's the There's only gauge. No- no, no fuel. No altimeter, no, no speedometer, f- no. So for the altimeter, what she had was you look over the side of the cockpit. That's how high so up you, you dr- are. There's like a plumb bob, like a string. <laughs> no, they have that. That's oh, you're how, kidding. That's how she knows how much uh, gas there is. There is a string that you dip into the gas, and oh. if it's wet, See, there's— See, I could have built these early planes. Exactly. If it's Come wet, on. wet, there's fuel. If it's dry, try to land. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> well, also, the, uh, the, the, you know, there's like a horizon gauge in a plane. The mm-hmm. horizon gauge is just a key chain tied, so if it's level— your level. If it's not level, hey, probably want to look out the window. (laughs) So that's how she learns to fly in this early flying machine, and she absolutely loves it. Did she have, like, the long flowing scarf and the leather, like, skull cap? Yeah, the leather, like, like helmet, Uh and then the goggles on top, and then Uh the white, like, flowing scarf. And Snoopy in the back. And Snoopy and Woodstock both. Yes. You know it. I was there. So... It took her only six hours before she could fly solo for the first time. That's like six, unheard of. Six just, hours. And she's like, I'm good to go. <laughs> she we, decides this. Yeah, so. She's like, yeah, hey. And so she earns her pilot's license pretty quickly. She was so early in aviation history that Orville Wright signed her pilot's license. No. Yes. No, that's like a joke. Like, you're, no. you're so old. Exactly. It's like you're doing the dozens. Like, your mama's so old. She got Orville Wright on her foot. Yeah, exactly. So now she's a pilot. She's got Orville Wright's imprimatur on her license. Right. She's like, 
like, I need a plane. So what does she do? Well, she's rich, so she goes and buys herself a nice biplane. She buys the Travel Air Speedwing, which mm. is like a real cutting-edge plane. Can the, people walk on the wings? Yeah, they could, actually. It's that type of plane. So uh-huh. this one was owned by Howard Hawks, the film director of Screwball Comedies, like Bringing a Baby. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So it's like a, you know, it's a well-maintained plane, but it's still pretty experimental, right? Mm-hmm. So the first time she flies it, she decides, oh, I want to fly it across country. So she tries flying it. <laughs> the first time, okay. Yeah. She has to set it down eight times for emergency landings. Eight times. Eight? Like on the she sixth time, She couldn't just be like, like I'm, gonna, hmm. I'm just going to tootle up to Pebble Beach. <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. Out. No. She's like, no, no, I'll make it. Up, oh, bouncing down again. <laughs> oh, boy. So she's like, you know, pretty good at flying. None of this is really terribly scary for her. So she starts competing in air races. Then she starts doing barnstorming exhibitions. At one point, she has Poncho Barnes's Mystery Circus of the Air. That's, Mystery Circus of the Air? Yeah, that's her flying spectacle. That's amazing. She also has the, um, her favorite stunt that she would pull was called the Surprise Parachute. <laughs> so apparently Pancho Barnes Get the old surprise parachute She there. would invite a member of the audience To take their first airplane flight And because she's like, you know She'd remember herself as a young girl She'd usually pick a girl So uh-huh. she'd get a girl out on the plane She'd strap the girl into a parachute So she, the kids would be safe She'd take them up in the biplane And once they are high enough That everyone could see them And the, you know, people look tiny from the ground She would toss the child out of the plane No Without telling the child They are going to be tossed out of the plane, Elizabeth Wait, and then total surprise. With a parachute kid on? is ejected from the biplane. Wearing a parachute. Yeah, wearing a parachute. <sighs> the child plummets back to the earth. They're like, surprise, no parachute. Now, the child doesn't know how to like yank the parachute well, ripcord, yeah, the, right? Oh so God. they had like a string attached to the plane that would pull the ripcord from the plane. Oh my God. And if like if that didn't work, I don't know what's gonna happen. It always worked. So oh, the, no oh kids God. were hurt and the kid would parachute to earth. Now I'm not a parent, right? <laughs> but <laughs> could you could oh, you imagine what? someone doing I... that to your child? Oh my god. <laughs> so it was a different time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like far less litigious, I yes, would imagine. Exactly. Which is interesting because later on in her life, she sued everybody. Well, yeah. yeah sue so, me, sue you. Exactly. But like, how many times was her life threatened by an angry fa- father or mother? No reports of that that I could find, but I assume that that it occurred. Has to I mean, be. I just said yeah. they didn't make the papers. I don't yeah. know. 1929, a couple years later, she's doing the Powder Puff Air Derby. This is <laughs> It's a race specifically for female pilots uh-huh. because there's a bunch now of female pilots growing because Amelia Earhart is, is like, you know, blowing everyone's <laughs> minds. Flying is a gendered event. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So she's coming in for a landing at one point, and the truck is trying to cross the runway ahead of her plane. Uh-huh. And the driver misjudges the distance, doesn't realize how fast she's trying to come in. Right. She nails the truck on the runway. Oh, you're kidding. Totally walks away unscathed. Just like, yeah, well, you know, it reminded me of the film The Great Waldo Pepper, which is a Robert Redford film about yeah. the early flying days. And he yeah. has a couple crashes. I just kept picturing her doing that. Like yeah. the plane's upside down in the grass. <laughs> she walks away like, oh, my scarf little, is singed. Little Tommy Fitz in her. Exactly. Lucky boy. So, meanwhile, August 1st, 1930, she's flying in her new Travel Air Type R mystery ship. It's the new fastest plane that she can buy. Mystery ship. Yeah, right. Great name. So, Poncho Barnes officially becomes the fastest woman alive. Yes. Wow. She shatters Amelia Earhart's speed record, and the record at the time she gets is 196.19 miles an hour. Whoa. Yeah. So about the same time, she becomes friends with aviation maverick Howard Hughes, friend of the show. Right. And uh, Hughes was designing aircraft like un- unlike anyone else. But and- she's doing this in like an air jalopy. Well, at this point, she's buying nicer and nicer planes. But it's not like a jet or anything. No, no, nothing like that. These yeah, are all like invented, propeller planes. Yeah. It, we're, we're 1930, so mm-hmm. you can't even really fly it's more an than air a jalopy, few hours. Aaron. It's an air jalopy Thank with you. a big ratchet with in front that spins. With a big ratchet spinning, yep. So, <laughs> she and uh, Howard Hughes have the same love of speed, so he hires her to fly in his movie The Hell's Angels, right? Oh, okay. And that, so she becomes a stunt pilot in Hollywood, and then wow. she starts a union for pilots called the Associated Motion Picture Pilots, and this is one of the first unions in Hollywood. So uh-huh. you, you can probably now start to see why she's a personal hero yeah, of mine. She's amazing. Total badass, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's take a quick break, mm-hmm. and then I'll get back into how Poncho Barnes got into a fight with the U.S. Air Force and became friends with Chuck Yeager. Oh wow! Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. 
Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold Blooded The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Elizabeth. Yes, Aaron. We're back. Oh, we are? Yeah, it's us. Cool. Now, you may have noticed when I was talking before that we were bouncing around in the early days of aviation. Yes, right? I noticed that. I thought you would. You're pretty quick. <laughs> and you, you've you heard some iconic names, Howard Hughes, mm-hmm. Amelia Earhart. So we are kind of sidestepping the fact that in 1930, there was another major social trend other than aviation shaping lives. 1930? Yeah, the Great Depression. Yeah. Was... So, yeah, exactly. The Great de- 1929 stock market crash and kicks off the Great Depression, Poncho Barnes and heiress. You'd think, oh, she's somewhat buffeted from all of the undulations of the stock market, but she isn't immune to the Great Depression. Sure. Pretty much no one was unless right. they were super wealthy. So in early 1930s, she has to rent out her family estate in San Marino. Later on, this is the family home she grew up in where she had horses that she yeah. ride in Tijuana, right? So the depression, it drags on. She then has to sell the family estate. She leaves her life in Hollywood behind and she leaves all of her hard partying, high flying days and she moves out to the desert. Huh. She buys herself a four room ranch house. It's located in a super rural area known as the Antelope Valley. Do you oh, know the Antelope I Valley? I totally know where Antelope Valley is. Okay, yeah. Yes. Like high desert if you take the five out yes. of LA. Yes. Okay, so it's east of LA. It's in the mountains. It's on this high desert plain. And she buys this ranch, and surrounding her is this 180 acre alfalfa farm. And meanwhile, her neighbors are this place called Murak Dry Lake. Murak Dry Lake, it's a huge expanse of land, unsuitable for farming or anything else. It's pretty much just a dry riverbed, yeah. all dusty, broken earth. But it's the home of the Young Army Air Corps. They use the dry lake to, as a testing ground for planes oh, okay. and pilots. And yeah. the training yeah. camp would one day grow and spread and become Edwards Air Force Base. No way. Yeah. Okay. So it starts back then. Yeah, that was ex- I'm putting the map in my head right yes, now. Yes, totally, sense. right? Yeah. So Poncho Barnes, she sets up shop next to Murak Dry Lake Training Camp. Being a pilot aviation pioneer herself, she becomes fast friends with all the pilots, the mm-hmm. officers. Soon enough, she's like opened up her place for pilots to come and drink and eat and relax. There's not really any places to go. And they're all really enjoying the wildflowers in the spring, which <laughs> is what like Antelope Valley The is. super blooms, yes. yes. So <laughs> the government signs contracts with her and they have her supply the Army Air Corps with not only pilots and planes that she recommends and instructors that she knows, but also to sell them hog meat and milk. 
Hmm. So she gets the trash from the base, she feeds it to the pigs, and then sells the pigs back to the base. Hey, it's the circle of life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so by the end of the decade of the Depression, it's 1939, Pancho Barnes has created quite a spread for herself. She's managed her way through the Depression. She's now named the place Rancho Oro Verde, which, for those who don't speak Spanish, means Green Gold Ranch. <laughs> so World War II... Probably a reference to the poppies and the wildflowers. And exactly, and the alfalfa. Yep. <laughs> so, well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> World War II kicks off in 1939. Two years later, the U.S. enters the fight after Pearl Harbor, Poncho Barnes's business is now a booming as the military ramps up its operations. Mm-hmm. That same year, 1941, Poncho Barnes enlarges her ranch. So now she adds a swimming pool. She adds a fish pond that's shaped like the new Air Force emblem because the Air Force is now the U.S. Army, the Army Air Force. Well, yeah. So they become the Air Force on their own because she makes it like the, that laurel wreath that they have. She's like, oh, I'll make a pool like that. <laughs> Wait, like, what? Yes. So she also, she creates a private hangar She's for like planes. She's like a super fan. Totally. She's, She's like people who love an NFL team and everything in there. Exactly. Yeah, she has like a Chiefs helmet Force. for the pool in the backyard. Yes. Yes. So she also has a private hangar because she's still a pilot. So she has planes being able to land. She has two airstrips and she puts in a racetrack. Oh, why not? Yeah, because she wants to get Hollywood people she's, to come out. She's so. got a need for speed. Exactly. You get it. That's why she's my girl, right? <laughs> to drum up business, she starts advertising in the LA paper. She claims that she has a, quote, modern flying dude ranch. Right? Oh. So it's the perfect place for the famous and the wealthy to come and kick up their heels and get away from it all. For $49 a week, she'll give you food, board, and all the fun you can manage. Right? That, that's such like an old Hollywood, this is the perfect time. For totally. Things, yeah. I love, I, I just, if I could go to a place like this, oh, you yeah. know how much I would spend. <laughs> exactly. You would be holed up in there. Oh my God. Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> the Hollywood crowd begins to wing out to Poncho Barnes' modern flying dude ranch. They mix with the pilots and the clientele, they all love each other. The pilots like the stars, the stars like the pilots, a fusion of both of her worlds. So now she can talk planes and plane crashes. She can spill gossip and talk shop. Both crowds are also hard drinkers. So everybody's really enjoying themselves. And yeah. she becomes this desert legend of like, oh, you got to go out to Poncho Barnes's place. The war ends. And so now Poncho renames her place Poncho's Fly In. Like, yeah. Okay, right? Because so it's super fly. Super fly, girl. So she upgrades it again. I thought you want to know. Yes. She, this time she adds riding stables. Uh-huh. She adds motel rooms. She adds a rock fountain to go with the fish pond. Beautiful. She also expands her airport, adds a, a control tower and two, for her two airstrips. Huh. Yeah. And so the the thing is, is that uh, she loves horses, right? Like mm-hmm. I told you that. So she wants to make it so that everybody can ride horses all around the ranch. But when they get done riding, they shouldn't have to go back to the paddock and like in the stables. She's like, why don't you just ride right into the pool? So she creates a ramp so you can ride a horse right into the giant pool. What? Yes. <laughs> Wait, is was she in... Referenced in that movie, The Right Stuff. Yes. Okay. She totally is. It's that's, all that's, starting to that's come That's the together. bar where they all go. Yeah. That's her place. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 1947, the ranch earns a new nickname. A friend of Poncho Barnes is out there. He's at the ranch taking a horseback ride because she loves doing that. They're racing across the desert all fast. When they get back out from the trail, he tells Poncho, he's like, man, I love being back in the saddle again. It, quote, gave me a happy bottom. <laughs> After a little teasing of her friend, the name sticks. Pablo renames her ranch the Happy Bottom Riding Club. Did you feel happy in your bottom? <laughs> exactly. How happy is your bottom? So it made me feel so happy. At the same time, my bottom. The, <laughs> my bottom is grinning. <laughs> The same time, the test pilots stationed out at Murak Dry Lake. But they, I was sad in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. It's all right. No, you have any other body no, I'm parts? Still working with moves? It out. I'm just I'm just I'm just working it out. You got like here. a mournful elbow? No. <laughs> no. So the the pilots of Morocco Dry Lake were in 1947. A big thing happens in 1947 that's not the Roswell air crash, but no. another big thing in the air. Do you know what it is? Uh no. Break the sound barrier. Oh, right. This is really right difficult. Stuff. Exactly. The thing you were talking about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so this is super the movie difficult. I'm pretending to have seen. I saw it. I just, you know me. You memory, were, you, yes. it's fuzzy. Yeah, you were young. They're pilots. You were young. It was young. It was a different time. So the uh, the problem with the speed barrier is is you like the pilots just couldn't manage to get up to it and That's break a problem. it. It, was, you know, it, was, it becomes this impenetrable wall in the air, right? Mm-hmm. So the pilots are all trying to do it. They're trying to figure out how to do it. They've got jets now. So that's the key. Obviously, right. the propeller won't get them fast enough, but the jets will, but they still can't get up to Mach 1. They're trying and trying. They don't know how to do it. So she, 
She makes a bet. Poncho Barnes says, I'll give a free steak dinner to whichever one of you flyboys manages to break the speed of sound barrier, right? So they, all these young test pilots and future astronauts. They're like, oh, there's a steak dinner on the line? <laughs> like, oh, okay, bet, now, now I'm really going to put my back into so, it. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they really do. They, and there's one young pilot who is a favorite of hers. And this dude, his name is Chuck Yeager. Uh-huh. So he was a hero of mine as a boy. Fastest man alive. The first person to break the sound barrier. I was a little sad to find out later on that he specifically worked to make sure that there were no black pilots at the Moroc Tri oh. Lake training camp. But there was one, and he made him leave. Oh, you're like, kidding. Yeah, so I was like, oh, Chuck, I used to Chuck, love no. you. Anyway, so like, whatever. <laughs> Racism in the military, 1940s, no great surprise. Yeah, so, and yeah, he's like a good old boy. Yeah. Anyway, so Poncho Barnes has her standing offer. Chuck Yeager goes, I'm getting that free steak dinner. Everyone knows that Chuck Yeager's most likely going to break it. What they don't know is that he and Pancho Barnes go out the night before. They're riding horses all fast in the desert because mm-hmm. they love to go fast. He falls off the horse, breaks his ribs. The next Yell, day... Yells, white power! <laughs> the next day, he has to go up and fly with broken ribs. Doesn't want anybody to know. He does it. He goes up and he breaks the speed of sound with, with broken, broken ribs. ribs. <gasps> that night, he goes back to the Happy Bottom Riding Club. They have an epic party. And so begins a tradition that every time a speed record falls, steak dinner at the Happy Bottom. Oh, okay. So she's digging this because it's all like her early days in the aviation. Everything's about speed. You know, she re- she broke a million Earhart's speed record. Mm-hmm. They all know that. So everybody's just yeah, fast, fast, faster. And they're just so happy in 1947. The war, they've, they've won the war. Now they're about to be able to go into space. And they know this because these are the, also the young astronauts, right. as you pointed out with right stuff. So Poncho Barnes then is like gets bored with speed being the new prize. So she, she's like, you know what? No more steak dinners. I'm going to come up with something else. So she comes up with the booby prize. So the booby prize is... Means the happy a, boobies. A pilot gets to walk across a sheet of rubber falsies. Like a whole sheet, like fake breasts. Yeah. So the, the it's like a walking sheet? Do across. Do they buy coals. them by the sheet? I guess so. I what don't know. What does this mean? She, she knows somebody in Los Angeles is like, happened? I got plenty of fake chesticles for you. So and they're just and they walk on them. They walk on them like a like hot coals. And they're and, bare and feet. They, and they go hee hee hee. I don't know. Hee hee hee. They're so happy in my yeah, bottom. They're like I'm so masculine and the boobies are touching my so feet. This is so weird. Wait, I gotta. Okay, so wait. When the sheets like, how many wide do you think it is? Like I'm a dozen. Like three feet. So I don't know how many. I have no fake idea. Let's say 180. Would, and these were f- like plastic. Like, these or? are rubber breasts that you would put in, like as uh, either a replacement or like as for cup girth. You know, if you want to build up the cups sure. of the falsies. Okay. So that's what it is. It was just like a whole little so tickle. That's what, it, that's what it is. That's what it is, Elizabeth. <laughs> it's just falsies. What can I'm I tell so, you? And the, and this was the what did you say? This was the second prize. Yeah, second this place? is the, the this is the booby prize. So if you don't get a steak dinner, then you got to walk on. You got to walk on the boobies. Walk on the boobies. And everyone goes hee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So okay. anyway, the happy bottom is now officially. <laughs> okay. A pilot's hangout. It's just super masculine. Their photos yeah, are, like are lining the walls. Like, we want to step on boobs. Yeah. Okay, well, I see where your respect goes. So they have their decals everywhere. Their propellers are decorations. <laughs> you can kind of imagine it. And there's also a strong female presence. This <laughs> on the due, floor. Due, well, it's due to Poncho Barnes because uh-huh. she hires out. She goes, she's a tomboy. She's like, we need some women in here. Right. So she hires hostesses to take care of the clientele. These hostesses would wait tables. They'd serve drinks. They'd entertain all the pilots and the other Hollywood clientele. She also had illegal liquor flown in to keep the party going. So she was like having liquor flown in from Mexico. And uh, it was all well enjoyed and uh, much like the hostesses. And But Poncho insisted it was all on the up and up. And, and I swear, she once said, and I quote, we're not responsible for the bustling and the hustling that may go on here. Lots of people bustle and some hustle. But that's their business and a very old one. Did the... Did the- Hostesses have to wear outfits like no, costumes. No, nothing where like they dressed as or like sexy penguins. <laughs> sexy penguins. <laughs> sexy pelicans. Pelicans. Where are you coming up? With this? I was thinking like birds. <laughs> because in the air. Sexy. Do pelicans are sexy to you. Like big gulp. Sexy seagulls. <laughs> We're gonna Jonathan talk Livingston, sexy seagull. We're going to talk about sexy after this. All right. <laughs> so I don't want to talk about Poncho that. Poncho Barnes, again, expands her resort. Things are going well. The booby prize is a success. She adds a dance hall. <laughs> the booby hall. is a bird. Booby is the blue-footed booby. So there you go. Sexy, Sexy boobies. She regularly <laughs> hires bands and artists from L.A. to come out and play her ranch. It's like, like just Guns growing. and Roses. Exactly. Just like Guns and Roses. And L.A. Guns. And, and all the Guns bands. Oh, anything with Guns <laughs> anything for L.A. With guns. She also built a stadium for a rodeo. 
A stadium? Yes, like not, and this isn't some like fly by night affair. This was like with three quarter Mexican bulls. I'm talking like uh-huh. a real rodeo, real stadium, officially sanctioned rodeo on the circuit. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Now, oh, and I should also tell you, Elizabeth, much like yeah. you, she was a, a, a singer of popular standards. <laughs> Yes, just much like you. Look at me. See? Yeah, there it is. She wrote a number of songs. She recorded a few. She had a hit song called By Your Side, which was about her love of the Air Force and the relationship. Wait, so she she wrote... A love song to the Air Force. It was about like their next door relationship. Like I live side. next. Yeah, exactly. She's, By your side. She's got an it unhealthy relationship. With it you. sold a million digits. What? Yes, your units. It, she shifted a All million these units. Fingers, yeah. digits, <laughs> big buckets. People are like, I'll give you fifteen fingers for this forty-five. How much for the boobies? <laughs> so. Oh, okay. By your side. Yes, by All your right. side. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, it, it's a banger. I I'm think gonna you learn love it. it. You could probably do it at weddings, probably funerals, yeah, retirement probably. parties, probably. <laughs> so around the same time, Poncho Barnes. I just show up and I'm dressed as a sexy pelican, of, and then mm-hmm. I lay down my floor mat of mm-hmm. prosthetic breasts, breasts uh-huh. and then I go and a one and a two, <laughs> and, you do and the then old everyone soft just shoe. runs for the door. <laughs> Performing next at Sloth's. You could have performed at uh, Poncho Barnes's wedding. I probably should have. Did I? Uh, I don't remember a whole lot. Well, I'll read it to you and you okay, can tell me tell if me it, sounds, about it. it sounds familiar. Tell me. 19, the year 1952, her, it's her fourth wedding. None have lasted very long. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time she falls for a younger man, some, one who she hopes can keep up with her. So the, her husband, his name was Mac McKendry. He was, he was 32. 13. 32. Yeah. She How was old is she? 52. Good for her. Yeah, right? So she gets herself some young meat and then <laughs> says, let's get married. Chuck Yeager, you going to be there? He's like, you betcha. So he stands as her wedding attendant. The commanding officer of Edwards Air Force Base, General Boyd, he gives her away. 650 guests cheer on Poncho Barnes' 650. wedding. It's a super short ceremony. It's a Native American Blackfoot ceremony. She, After the ceremony, she changes out of her wedding dress and puts on a, quote, a pair of jodhpurs, a blouse, and white cowboy boy boots oh just a sensible outfit (laughs) meow the happy couple serve their wedding guests and i quote four whole roasted pigs 80 (laughs) 80 pounds of potato salad 16 gallons of jello and a 50 pound wedding cake so wait pork potato salad and a 50 pound wedding cake and jello well there's a lot of people but dang like you show up and they're like just the jello's been sitting out in the sun with potato salad some jello Wow. Well, things were going well in 52. Everyone is happy. The the music was a-bouncing. Her hits were going. The illegal Mexican liquors are flowing. The pilots and clientele, everyone's enjoying themselves. Hostesses, they're having fun. The booby prizes are being given out. <laughs> right. But it should be no surprise to you nor I that the decency police decided to step in and break up all the good times. The issue, though. Out there in the desert? Yeah, the issue wasn't the fight. It wasn't like a fight between drunken officers. It wasn't drunk pilots driving back to the base, streaking across the desert in their mid-century steel sleds. (laughs) Nope, that's not the issue. Wasn't the illegal Mexican liquor being flown over the border? Nope. Uh The issue was... The young women, the hostesses. Oh, the sexy pelicans. Yeah, they ain't hurt nobody, but they were the problem. So the young women Pancho Barnes had hired to play hostesses, they were mostly beautiful, vivacious people, the kind of women who'd like to hang out with hard-drinking, hard-charging pilots, yeah. Hollywood types who like to carouse. And Pancho Barnes, she ran a tight ship. She had house rules for her, the women. She, They were instructed to, quote, never be vulgar, never to drink too much. In mm-hmm. fact, the full set of house rules was this. Never spend an undue length of time with any one guest circulate be charming and pleasant to all guests don't just go for the guy with the wavy hair don't be vulgar at any time don't sit on guest laps in public don't go automobile riding or flying without permission never are you allowed to accept money in remuneration for the more intimate aspects of romance oh yes so one of the hostesses was a woman named dallas morley she eventually became the head hostess she cooked and bartended and she could also play a mean honky-tonk piano nice just like that sounds you. like a good <laughs> <laughs> now dallas morley once said of poncho barnes quote i got along with poncho because when she'd cuss me out i'd just cuss her right back and she'd laugh but she had most of the girls scared to death. Oh boy. Yeah, see, you get the idea. But like I said, most of these women, they were vivacious women. Some were like Dallas Morley. They had strong independent streaks. Many of them were somewhat sexually liberated, more sexually liberated than their times. They were the sort of women who liked to sunbathe naked, swim mm-hmm. nude in the hotel pool when no guests were around. And in the 1950s, this got yeah. lips a wagon, right? So rumors were swirling. They took on a life of their own. Soon there was talk that the sex that they were sex workers and that Poncho Barnes was the madam of this flyboy cat house. <laughs> to keep things a bit 
it private. She had restricted access. She had made it a members-only club. She said no enlisted men could go, only officers. She had 9,000-person uh, membership. Oh. You had to personally know her, and she had to vouch for 9, you. 9,000. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and as for the rumors uh, about it being a casual sex resort, uh, my morally rigid, yet albeit wildly racist, Chuck Yeager said... <laughs> Poncho's wasn't a cat house, but it wasn't a church either. So that gives you a little idea. <laughs> yeah. Now, despite having the endorsement of respected aviation hero Chuck Yeager and the tacit approval of the top brass at the yeah. Morrock Dry Lake Camp, now Edwards Air Force Base, the good times had to come to an end because that's just what happens to good times. Yeah. So why? As I told you, the aforementioned decency police. Decency police. Yeah. So after the short break, Elizabeth, yes. I will tell you how Poncho Barnes went to war against the U.S. Air Force and their decency Interesting. police. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i used to have so many men how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks with zero qualifications she had a harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so where were we? Uh, just listened to some really great ads. Yes. They were so good. Uh-huh. Oh, I, right, no, the Antelope Valley, California. Oh, there's that too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Blooms. Yes, We super were talking blooms. about Poncho Barnes. Yes. Okay, so the trouble starts for my girl when the whispered rumors about the, her hostesses at the Happy Bottom Riding Club turn into 
an issue for the young and reputation-obsessed Air Force. Mm -hmm. We can't have our flyboys doing this, right? Now, some say it was just an excuse to get the land that was underneath Poncho Barnes's resort and private airport. Oh, that makes sense. Right? So there was this cat, General Boyd. He was the head honcho of the base. He was the one who gave Poncho Barnes away at her wedding. Okay. Totally tight with her. They would hug and embrace and everything, right? He gets replaced by Johnny Goodboy. This this the general, General J. Stanley Holtoner. <laughs> I thought his name was Johnny Goodboy. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> Johnny Goodboy. I was like, that's perfect. That's a perfect name for who he is. <laughs> He's a tall drink of water, and his name's Johnny Goodboy. Hey, General Johnny Goodboy here. <laughs> so General J. Stanley Holtoner. That's no fun. Yeah. Well, exactly. He is not a fun guy. <laughs> it's not fun. He is what we in the good times industry call a killjoy. <laughs> so when he heard about this bar where hostesses had fun with his test pilots, he decided someone needs to put a stop to this. And that someone is J. Stanley Holtoner. Well, it doesn't seem like it was negatively impacting their performance. No, not at all. Nothing. It was, if anything, it was good for their performance. She's incentivizing their success with steak dinners. Exactly. And booby prizes. And And they're they're, they're flying, like they're stressed. They need a place to unwind and relax and be able to be themselves. Let them be. But he's like, no fun on my watch. No carousing. No sexy pool time. None of it. So, and since he's military, General Holt, you know, Holt owner, he can't come down on Poncho Barnes because she's a private industry, right? So he's mm-hmm. got to figure out an angle. So he waits. There's a fight at the bar. So he's like, oh, my pilots. This is enough for him to step in. He goes, no pilots, no military personnel can go to the Happy Bottom Riding Club. It is off limits for all base personnel. Huh. That's pretty much going to be the death Sir, now. yes, sir. Yeah, right? But this isn't enough for Captain Kiljoy. <laughs> he's like, you know what I should also call? The FBI. So what? he called the FBI, Elizabeth. Oh, is that who's in charge at that J. point? J. Edgar Hoover. That's right. So he calls up J. Edgar and he's like, oh, and not literally, but he sends like a. Like, <laughs> he calls him people bubble yeah, beep. He sends like memos and letters. J. Edgar. J. Edgar gets this and he's like, what? The Happy Bottom Riding Club. Why don't I <laughs> know about me this? <laughs> exactly. So he's all like, I got to hear about these salacious rumors. I love salacious rumors. Did he try and get a job as a hostess? <laughs> he and Clyde. There was a memo sent from future Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Warren J. Berger, to J. Edgar Hoover. Uh-huh. At the time, Berger was the Assistant Attorney General. In his 1953 memo to Hoover, Berger writes that the U.S. Attorney General's office will initiate a deep and wide investigation to answer the question of how happy the Happy Bottom Riding Club <laughs> Just is. Just how happy. And he quotes, wants to know if Miss Barnes was operating a disorderly house. Hmm. So Jay Edgar's like, yeah, get on it and give me all the details. <laughs> so the Take in- pictures. <laughs> the investigation of Poncho Barnes kicks off. And now, Elizabeth, I know you can imagine what, what this all leads to. But I'm so good at imagining. Just for kicks, I'd like you to close your eyes. <gasps> yes! And picture it. Okay. It's August 1953. Murak Dry Lake, Antelope Valley, California. 3.30 p.m. There's a wide blue sky above you, a slight breeze from the northwest. On a fresh air break, you've seated yourself outside the private club just to enjoy the sights and sounds of the desert vista as it stretches off into the horizon. You've left your job behind in Hollywood. You were making lifts for short actors. Mm-hmm. And you wanted a new start, so you headed out to the desert where you've been working as the head hostess at a small private club and airport. You've only worked at the Happy Bottom Riding Club for the last few months, but you're loving the vibe of this place. You love the women you work with, and you like the mercurial, hard cuss and hard drinking boss poncho barnes for the first time in a long time you're happy at work in the flight tests for the day are done so the skies above you right now are quiet but in the distance you spot a cloud of dust approaching it looks like a ford sedan the beige car appears dust covered it could be a blue sedan for all you know it's that dust covered yeah. but you watch the 52 ford approach it grows louder and louder as it grows closer and closer finally the santa Ana pulls up just outside the happy bottom riding club Doors open. Two men in gray flannel suits step out. They flash badges at you and identify themselves as FBI. One of the agents asks a question he knows the answer to. He says, is this the Happy Bottom Riding Club? Now, you don't like to be asked a lot of questions, so you sass the FBI agent. Of course. No, this is the Pushy Bottom Beach Club. Happy Bottom's down the road. Oh, God. So neither agent laughs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> These are the new IBM punch card agents. These are the humorless agents. These yeah. are gone are the charming and daring spies of the war years, as if they never really existed. What you don't know is these are also really good at their job. Job spies. Uh-huh. 1953 is a banner year for the FBI. J. Edgar Hoover has his bureau humming. 
they stay busy hunting down fugitives and bagging names on the FBI's most wanted list. They've mm-hmm. been catching two fugitives a month every month this entire year. Wow. It's one of their record years. They catch 24 felons this year. It will be a record that will not be surpassed until the social upheaval of 1968. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, how could you know that these two gray flannel suit wearing paper cutouts are good at their job? Who? Why would they look like a joke to you? Yeah. You're used to flyboy future astronauts, aging test pilots. Who are these hubba, bozos? Hubba. Yeah. <laughs> the FBI agent tells you, we're going to need to interrogate all the hostesses. And you're like, on whose authority? Yeah. You're like, U.S. Constitution? But of course, you know, they mean J. Edgar Hoover. Right. So you're like, okay, whatever. You walk back to the hotel rooms where all the hostesses are staying. You're like, look, the FBI is here. They're like, what do you mean? Some of them, they're, like, they're naked. Some are in silk robes. Some are in bathing suits. You're like, girls, you got to get yourselves together. You got to come into the bar and talk to them. So the FBI is like, look, it's not a request. They're here. They're like, okay. So they go all in. And now Pancho Barnes, she's gone right now. She's away getting hogs for a big pig roast. So you're in charge. <laughs> And you've learned from the House Un-American Activities Commission and the Red Scare that you saw in Hollywood, uh-huh. don't lie to the FBI. Right. So you tell right. the girls that. And so then you send them in to go get grilled by the FBI agents one at a time. They go and sit down with the FBI agents. And you're watching them, agonizing, hoping that they're doing okay. Then once they're excused to leave, you pull them aside and you go, what did they ask you? Yeah. And then the girl's like, oh, they asked me these weird questions. She's like, what? We're like, they're like, have you ever been in the white slave trade? Like, Chuck like, Yeager. Slave trade. What rumors have you been spreading? They're like, well, they're like, also, if there, is there any gambling going on? Is there, are there like Mexicans being flown in? And you're like, what are you talking about? Yes. Yeah, so like, Mexicans and dope. Are they flying that in? People are like, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. So when they're done, the hostesses are barely able to get the place set up in time for the evening crowd. You secretly are waiting for the sheriff to show up that night and arrest you all and drag yeah. you off as sex workers. They don't come, nor do his deputies. Despite of all this talk of the white slave trade and smuggling Mexicans into the country, the FBI agents conclude their investigation. They find no evidence of any crimes. No one will say anything against Poncho Barnes. So yeah. you are free to continue your life Whew. of leisure and happiness with all your half-naked nice. dancer friends. <laughs> nice. Elizabeth, yeah, you might think having a legal tussle with the FBI, well, that couldn't get any worse than that for Poncho Barnes. And you'd be wrong. Because oh, no. the Air Force is like, that's not... Damn it, I sicked J. Edgar Hoover's boys on. Why didn't that work? Well, I guess we're going to have to go one step beyond that. So they go up to eminent domain. Yeah, yeah. Because Pancho Barnes has been spinning all of this to her benefit. She'd been talking about, you know, let the rumors persist. She decided once the FBI declared I'm fine, she's yeah. like, yeah, let them go. Tell them we're all sex workers. I don't care yeah. anymore. So. You know, basically like P.T. Barnum and Kanye West, she decided, look, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So <laughs> well. <laughs> now her friend Chuck Yeager used to say of Poncho Barnes, quote, if a rumor enhanced her personality, she didn't dispute it. If it didn't have to be true or not true, but that's the way Poncho was. She wasn't dumb. She was a very smart old gal. <laughs> so now this smart old gal has to deal with the U.S. Air Force bringing full power that they can against her during the Cold War. Right. So they yeah. have all sorts of powers. They use eminent domain. Cut to Captain Killjoy, General <laughs> Hole Toner. Squares up for round two. He decides he's going to make public his, oh, I mean, the Air Force's plans to seize all the land underneath the Happy Bottom Riding Club. He lets it be known that they're going to put in a new 22-mile super runway complex for the new atomic-powered airplanes the Air Force has on the drawing board. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that one more time. Atomic-powered yeah. airplanes, Elizabeth. <laughs> like, atomic-powered subs are one thing, but nuclear-powered aircraft? That's terrifying. If it crashed, you have an terrifying. ecological disaster. Like, wherever yeah. that plane crashes, yeah. the Air Force, it took them a little while. They're like, you know what? We're probably not going to do Maybe that. Maybe not such a good idea. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Captain Killjoy's like, yeah, runways, atomic planes. So he's like shaking this at her. And so Poncho Barnes decides, you know what? Sue you, sue them, sue everybody. She That's goes right. after the Air Force and she goes into court to, quote, roust out the scoundrels and the government who could perpetrate such an injustice. Right? She sounds like nice. Mark Twain. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she acts as her own attorney. Never a good move. But it works out for <laughs> yeah. her. She's the rare we exception. We do warn against that. Right? Every single yeah. time. Well, the L.A. newspapers, they're siding with her. She's given them good press coverage, great quotes. The fight it is not brief. It lasts a long time. But the people and the papers are on her side. The Air Force... Because it's, once again, the early days of the Cold War, and much like the FBI, they're pretty much feeling themselves. They just seize the land anyway. Eminent domain. And uh, they're like, you know what? We're into, like, killing joy, making things less (laughs) sexy. No fun. We love that. It's the 50s. What do you want from us? And you're like, dude, you want a world war for this? Like, what the hell? But anyway, Poncho Barnes, living spirit of early aviation, reckless and joyful days are pretty much over. She's now fighting the U.S. Air Force in court all the time. It gets mad costly, but she won't give up. She's like the happy bottom riding club deserves a fight. (laughs) 
<laughs> so things, though, then take a fatal turn because oh, no. in November 1953, there's an explosion inside the dance hall. A fire tears through the resort. It's mostly wood. It's in the desert. Firefighters can't get there in time. The Happy Bottom Riding Club burns to the ground. That is suspicious. There was a lot of uh, accusations of arson. Sure. I accuse them of hateration in the dancery. Like Mary J. Blige <laughs> would not support that kind this. of hateration. But anyway, no one gets caught. <laughs> no one gets arrested for the fire. Mary J. Blige would also be upset about that. Yes. <laughs> but Poncho Barnes, you know, as I said, she's like, this is arson. But there's nothing she can do about that. People there who were there that night of the fire, though, they risked their lives to run in over and over again to save all the priceless, irreplaceable memorabilia, aviation history. This was in the movie, The Right Stuff, right? Yes, it was. You you love that movie. (laughs) It's all coming back to me. So Poncho Barnes, she kept a scrapbook of her life in the clouds. One of her her friends, like uh, co-workers, one of the hostesses, they managed to get in and get the scrapbook and save it. So that's like the big thing that she's most happy about. And in her ongoing battle to save her land, after it's burned, down. The Air Force has already seized the land underneath it. She then pretty much has to go back into court and remind the Air Force that her grandfather, Thaddeus Lowe, founded the U.S. Air Force. And they're like, oh, that's right. She's in the days of Abraham Lincoln. They're like, yeah, that's that's true. He made you. And they're like, okay, fine. And so she wins her legal battle. The Air Force backs off. They give her $400,000 for her land. And they also then clear her name. And she insists they clear the names and reputations of all the women who they besmirched as hostesses. Which, yeah, I thought you'd like that. Yeah. So the Air Force later then scraps its plans for its new super runway complex. And the runways never get built. All that fight for nothing. No atomic planes ever hit the air. In her retiring years, though, Poncho Barnes begins to turn her that scrapbook that was saved into an autobiography. And she also, I thought you'd like this, spent her time breeding Yorkshire Terriers. I like that Just a relaxing. Lot. She gets back to her animal lover ways, yeah, right? Yeah. Full circle. And in 1971, one of her friends, a former test pilot from the Murak Dry Lake days, invites her to Edwards Air Force Base to celebrate her 70th birthday. That friend was friend of the show, Buzz Aldrin. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and now each year, the Air Force sets aside one calendar day to celebrate her. Fittingly, it's called Poncho Barnes Day. And it's kind of like a small mea culpa from the Air Force. They're like, yeah. look, we, we totally jacked up on that yeah. one. And it ends up, though, in a nice little turn of events. At the end of the night, there's an adults-only portion of the evening. <laughs> oh. They brought back the sexy. So <laughs> Poncho Barnes once said, and I quote, the most important thing is to be yourself. So don't even, don't even try to be like someone else because we've seen that already. Oh, I like that a lot. So, Elizabeth, I got to ask you, since you'll never ask me, what's our ridiculous takeaway here? My ridiculous takeaway is whatever your ridiculous takeaway. No, I I love the dynamic nature of her life, Mm -hmm. all the different elements of it, but also the fact that she, you know, went toe-to-toe with some serious Dude, uh, Jagger Hoover, U.S. Air Force, the Mexican authorities in the revolution. I mean, like, she wasn't afraid, didn't back down. Exactly. Zarin, what's your ridiculous takeaway? Wait, say that again? Zarin. What's your ridiculous takeaway? Oh, that sounds so nice. Does that sound good? <laughs> Never heard that before. Thank you for asking, Elizabeth. <laughs> Mine is if someone isn't hurting anyone and they're just being sexy or whatever they're doing, let people be. That's like, the best. Mind your own decency. Yes. Don't worry about my decency. My decency is between me and God and the devil or whoever I believe in. But, you know, look, look, some women, no, some people, they want to get naked in the pool. Let them. Who cares? Yeah. We all need all the sexy we can get on this planet. <laughs> Well, think about it, too, the amount of man hours and and money and resources spent to to fight sexy pool time. <laughs> ridiculous. All the hours. I mean, think, there are a lot of other things you could be doing, and it's FBI. Like, those pilots needed that. I mean, not just the sexiness, but all of it. Being able to cut loose and just mm-hmm. be themselves. And out in the desert, it's not like, oh, we have to worry about well, the kids seeing them or any of that stuff. It's a very specific subculture. Exactly. It's a very specific you know, lifestyle yes. and mindset for those. We need to make you know, room for, you know. it's, it's like I always say, like if you're going to make a f- plan in the future, you need to leave a little space for crime. Because it's going to be there. Yeah, it's really true. You're not going to get rid of crime. You can talk about what crimes occur. You can talk about which crimes you allow. But there's going to be somebody who breaks the law. In question is just like debauchery. Exactly. Like you you said, it's not hurting anybody. Is this really a crime? It doesn't sound like those women were exploited working there. Not from what I can tell. From what I can tell, they were all willingly being there, and there wasn't any active prostitution. Now maybe some of them got a little sideways and did some side hustling. They were picking up handsome flyboys. I don't blame them. Yeah, the ones with the wavy hair. That's right. The ones with like they're bald on the top and just the edges wavy coming down. <laughs> A very like specific ben, look. Like Ben Franklin. <laughs> he, he liked air baths, so I could see that. Well there you go. Right? It's all Boom. it's all there. It's all, about there. The air. all of the evidence is there. 
Well, that's all I got for you today, Elizabeth. Well, this is pretty good. Thank you. Well, you know. Well, you can find us online, Ridiculous Crime, on Twitter and Instagram if you'd like some more. That's uh, on the bird, we got the words, and on the gram, we got the pictures. So check them out. And also, if you want to hit us up, you know, we've got these talkbacks you can do on the yes. iHeart app. You can yes. email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. You can also just shout into the wind. You can write a fun rap. Yes! About us and record it on fun rap. Record on talkback. Just a fun rap. That would be amazing. (laughs) Rap, 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 rap. Well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by the Ratchet Daddy of the Happy Bottom Riding Club, Dave Kuston. Research is by the fastest women in facts, Marissa Brown and Andrea Song Charpentier. Our theme song is by Thomas Travel Air Special Lee and Travis Type R Mystery Ship Dutton. Executive producers are Ben Buzz Bolin and Noel Neil Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.